and have caused you to let something creep in your life, and now your heart has grown cold and you truly need revival. Or maybe you sit here tonight and you can honestly say, this time, this, this time of pandemic, this time of division in our country, this, uh, these events that have led up to this day have actually made me grow closer to the Lord. Maybe during uh, this time, during this year, you have, you have used this to help you Grow closer to God and mature as a Christian. You have not strayed away from consecrating your heart to Christ. You have not gotten away from your time of solitude with the Lord. And you have allowed these events by the grace of God, only through the help of God, but you've allowed this time to where you've actually been more of a blessing to your church. And you've allowed this time where you have actually led others to Christ because you were ready. You were a vessel and you realized, hey, the world needs Christ right now more than ever. And Lord, I'm not wavering from you and I'm ready. And you have been able to do that. But you're tired and you're weary and you are in need for some refreshment. That word refresh means to give new strength or energy to. Regardless of which one you stand in need of, there's one word we need to look at in Psalms chapter 70, in verse number 1. We'll look at the whole chapter, Lord willing, but Psalms chapter 70, verse 1, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. That word haste, hasten, means to move or act swiftly. Now, there is a difference than someone that's hastening or to hasten and to hurry. Now, when you look at them on paper, it's kind of the same thing because the word hurry defined as to carry or cause to go with haste. But the modern-day definition, our cultural definition of being in a hurry is one step away from going into an utter panic. You have literally are experiencing un unforeseen circumstances, and things are not going the way you thought they were going to go. So now you are, you are stressing, you are surprised, you're in a hurry. To bring it down even to my level, something has gone horribly wrong, and now you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off, right? That's what's going on. That's being in a hurry. If that's the definition of being in a hurry, God has never been in a hurry. Nothing has ever taken him by surprise. He has never uh, been in a situation where he's like, wow, what, what do I do? Where do I go? What has happened? He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He know, he's all-powerful. He knows everything. But the Lord does hasten when we cry for him. He will come to us quickly. Whatever it is we stand in the need of, when we, when we, if we lift our eyes up toward heaven like the Lord Jesus Christ did, and he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And we pray and we ask the Lord. Before we know it, he's right there and he's ready to help us. He knows exactly what we stand in need of. And when we look at this, this, book, this verse here in Psalms chapter number 70, verse 1, Whatever it is we stand in need of, to truly have a thankful heart and be in one fellowship with the Father, 
We need to make haste. Ask the Lord, Lord, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 11, in verse 28 through 30, I'll read it. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Notice this. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That yoke there, that was actually the harness that secured the animal to a cart or a plow. It was the beam where two animals were fastened to any purpose of labor. And we all know what a harness is. Now, in the world of, of OSHA, whether it be construction or general industry, there are individuals who are required to wear a safety harness. That if they were to fall from a high distance, whether it be 20, 30, 100, 200 feet in the air, that harness which has a, is connected to a lanyard, which is connected to an anchor point, will, is used, if used properly, if it's doing what it's supposed to do, will keep that person alive if there were an accident to occur. And OSHA requires that every facility has something called a competent person. Now, you're going to be surprised when I tell you this, but in my facility... According to the government, I am a competent person. Now, I can't even spell competent. And, and, and that's not me being cliche and saying, oh, I'd be a good joke. No, no, no. I literally made a training packet that said competent, C-O-M-P-E-T-A-N-T, person. And a guy walked up to me and says, don't you think this kind of defeats the purpose, right? But a competent person, what they are supposed to do, they are supposed to learn how to use a harness, and they oversee this follow-rest program, these individuals who have to work at heights. And when I went through my training, I, I discovered that even if these harnesses work properly, someone could still die. For example, if a person hangs there long enough, the blood does not flow correctly, and they die of suspension trauma. That happens a lot in hunting season. Someone falls from a tree. They have a harness on, they're anchored, but they hang there, they don't have a phone or whatever it is, and unfortunately they're found days, weeks later. So there has to be something called a step relief, where you take it out of your harness and you step into it, it allows the blood to flow. So what they did, they put me in one of those harnesses, they hooked me up, and they hoisted me up on this crane, and I had to take those things out and step into them and learn how to use it. And let me tell you something. It was not comfortable. It did not feel good. Now, why did I say all that? I want you to think about this just for a minute. The world creates and manufactures things that are good and will save lives and will be used for their purposes, their, their purposes most of the time. But sometimes they will fail. And even if they do succeed... They are only temporary, and they only offer a certain amount of relief. But boy, the Lord Jesus said, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I was going through a tough time once, and I texted my buddy, a dear friend of mine. I said, I don't know how long I can carry this burden. You only told me. He said, That's because it's not your burden to carry. Give it to the Lord. Let him take it. Pray that God would make haste, and before your prayer is even over, there he is.
He's ready to revive you. He's ready to put you right back where you were when you got saved, when you were drinking from the well of the world and nothing was satisfying you. And that still small voice said, drink of this well and you'll never thirst again. He's ready to get you right back there and revive you and give you revival and restoration so we can truly experience this Thanksgiving revival and worship. But we got to go to him, and we got to give it over to him. Let's look at our, our text here in Psalms chapter number 70. Make haste, O God. First of all, we see David in his despair. Look at verse 2 and 3. Let them be ashamed and confounded to seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee, and let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. Now, we see David in his despair. The interpretation of this verse, David is going to God regarding the, the imminent destruction of the wicked and the, the preservation of the godly. And this is actually contemporary with Psalms chapter number 40, uh, I believe, David's cry of great stress. He needs deliverance from the enemy because David, at this point in his life, is experiencing despair. Now, using that as an application, it's safe to say that we all have a little bit of despair and has, have experienced some despair during this year, leading up to this Thanksgiving holiday. But let me be very clear when I say this. Despair can lead to destruction, if we're not careful. You say, oh, but preacher, we've been declared the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, amen, we have. Ultimately, been declared the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, yes. But we individually, as Christians, can get our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ we can let this despair weigh us down to the point so much that the enemy who's waiting and he's hiding and he's waiting for that perfect time, seeking whom he may devour, is ready to pounce on us and destroy us. Friends, Satan will destroy your life. He'll destroy your ministry. He'll destroy your home. Heard a preacher say once, if you let the world raise your children, they can give them back to you, but you might not want them when they're finished with them. That's what Satan tries to do to you in your home. It is a tragedy when you look at a broken home. But you know what's sadder than that? When you take a broken home that used to be a Christian home. That is a tragedy. You say, oh, it's a tragedy when, a, when a, a, a America, one nation under God, turned to what we are today. I'll tell you what a tragedy is. When the church got in the condition that it's in today, that's a tragedy. Despair will turn to destruction. There are churches right now where, I'm not talking about atheists. I'm not talking about um, scornful people who are trying. No, I'm talking about justified believers who have been saved are sitting there with hate in their hearts. Cold, bitter, scornful. That's time we need revival. There's a time for revival. There are Christians right now who are in fellowship with the Lord, but they need that refreshment. Friends, God allows us to go through these things and have these burdens, not that we carry them, 
but that we get closer to Him and, and trust Him more and, and, and seek Him more. We see David in his despair. Number two, David in his deference. Look at verse 5, the first part of first, verse 5. This is the turning point of the entire chapter. But I am poor and needy, make haste unto me. But I am poor and needy. He don't stop there, does he? Make haste unto me. He doesn't say, but I am poor and needy, woe is me, and get out the old violin. No, he didn't do that. He didn't say, but I am poor and needy, and start pointing fingers. He said, but I am poor and needy, make haste unto me. Lord, I need you. I don't want anything else. I only want you. You've got the answer for this. That word defer, uh, a readiness or willingness to yield to the wishes of others. Meaning, Lord, you take it. You know why, you know the reason, I'm giving it to you. And then last of all, we see David and his deliverer. Verse number five, the last part, the Bible says, Thou art my help and my deliverer, O Lord, make no tarrying. That word tarry means to stay, to remain, to abide. Lord, I don't want time to heal itself. I don't want to wait around and see if I can fix this. Lord, I want you to take it, and I want you to get the glory from it. J. Vernon McGee said, I fall into that class of the poor and needy, and he wants me to know that he is my helper and my deliverer and my friend. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. I quote W. Graham Scroggy here. He said, the father will quicken his pace when the child cries. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll use this message for your honor and for your glory. And God, we would just give it over to you that we can truly experience and truly, Lord, worship and get close to you during this revival. We say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.